The show you love with even more local news and more local talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show this beautiful Tuesday afternoon in the uh, Central Valley of California, just uh, a nice little breeze blowing. Wonderful, wonderful, beautiful day here. It's one of those days when you think, gee, wouldn't it be wonderful if the political climate of California matched the weather climate? But alas, no. But that's why we're here, to talk about those issues that we need to talk about and sort through regarding uh, the not only the political situation, but our cultural situation, our social situation here in uh, the Central Valley of California and throughout the state as well. Welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we get things rolling. By the way, are you planning, uh, we're getting closer to summer, were you planning to uh, fly somewhere, maybe for a brief vacation to visit some relatives perhaps well you may have some difficulty doing that you say well why mike why why would that be difficult well if you're planning to take an air flight apparently even though covid cases are going down almost every airline is scrambling to find pilots to fill their cockpits here's uh someone who runs uh a flight academy in Miami, Florida. His name is Jonathan Manaval, and here's his explanation for what's going on. It's a, an addition of different things. Pilots retiring, the pandemic. So now just to train the new pilots is going to take a long time. Uh, so you have that training period, and we would like our pilots to be trained. That, that would be optimal, I think. So the, the problems right now... Uh, include not just enough new pilots, but uh, there, there's too few pilots, I'm told, that are exiting the military. A lot of, a lot of commercial pilots have uh, military backgrounds, and so this lack of pilots is leading to flight cancellations and delays. I didn't know this, wondering if you've experienced this at all. Apparently, a lot of airlines are hiring buses, to replace airplanes on shorter routes. That's interesting. Have you run up against that? Our number here, 209-551-3483. Have you had cancellations? Have you had to take a bus, an airline offering you a bus uh, for a shorter route rather than the airplane itself? This is, uh, this is quite uh, amazing to me. And so this, uh, this, this may affect uh, many of us who would like to fly during uh, the summer months, either to visit family or to, uh, or to go on uh, short vacations and such. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a dire problem uh, for the airlines. And uh, as, as we look at transportation, then you may say, well, okay, Mike, if I can't fly, we'll do some shorter jaunts and we'll just hop in the car or in the SUV or whatever you happen to have. Probably not your motorized scooter unless you only want to go a short distance. But you might think, well, let's just uh, pack up the car, 
pack up the vehicle and let's drive somewhere. Well, come July, looks like gas taxes are going to be going up. Yeah, <clears throat> Governor Newsom, as you may recall, had proposed pausing an increase to the normal gas tax increases that that come about into July, but that has to be approved by the legislature by May 1st. Do you realize how close May 1st is? We're almost there. Well, as of today, apparently, state lawmakers have yet to turn the governor's proposal to put a pause, to hit the pause button on the raising of those gas taxes in July. The legislature is saying, nope, um, don't want to do that. Apparently, few, if any, legislators in Sacramento are willing to do that. Earlier this year, some of them were saying that they had concerns about pausing the increase in gas taxes because of the funding it provides to road repair projects and jobs. Well, here's a representative from uh, Governor Newsom's office. His name is Alan Stack. He said, quote, it is clear now that the legislature will not act in time to provide that immediate limited relief, but we look forward to working with lawmakers on the governor's proposals for direct payments to Californians wrestling with rising prices. I got one or two more quotes here, but is is something starting to occur to you as it's occurring to me? We have in California, we have a supermajority, right? The Democratic Party has a supermajority in Sacramento. Our governor is a Democrat. Why do you think that this supermajority can't agree on gas taxes? Do you, I, I, maybe I'm just being too suspicious here. Are you suspicious of what's going on here? Does it raise some questions in your mind? Why won't the legislature back the governor's proposal to at least hit the pause button on raising gas taxes in July? What do you think? 209, our number here again, 209-551-3483. I find this suspicious. So Mr. Stack from the governor's office went on to say, uh, helping offset the impact of inflation on California residents remains a top priority for the governor. Hmm. And his revised budget will include proposals. Californians keep pace with rising costs. Uh, do, you, do you think that the governor is enabling us to keep pace with, what is it now, 8.4, inflation. Uh, Mr. Stack went on to say, the sooner we can move this package through the legislative process, the sooner we can deliver needed relief to Californians. And so it looks like there's finger-pointing going on. The governor is pointing to the legislature, saying the legislature is not helping me help you. I would like to put a pause. I'd like to hit <clears throat> the pause button on the gas tax increases that come every July, but the legislature has to pass that. They have to agree with that and act by May 1st. Obviously, apparently, they're not going to do that. 
And apparently, as I said before, there's some legislators saying, oh, we need those increases in gas taxes every year because we have all these projects we need to complete. Road repair, jobs, all that wonderful good thing, all those wonderful good things that your gas taxes support. Are you buying it? <laughs> really? Are we, are we supposed to believe that, that through the kindness of their collective clavicles that both the governor and the supermajority legislature really want to help us out by not having us have to pay such a high gas excise tax in California. I think we're one of the highest tax states in the nation in terms of gas tax. Well, I'll let you think about that for a moment and, and ponder that. Again, our phone number here, 209-551-3483. Not sure what's going on there. What I do know what's going on, and that is if uh, if I need to think about selling my house or if you need to, I have a great recommendation for you. His name is Dan Phipps. Good reasons right now to sell your home. Prices are up, inventory's low, and you don't know about those future interest rates. They're very uncertain. So with rapidly changing home prices, do you get worried about leaving money on the table? Well, listen, call the, call the agent I trust, Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or Dan will sell it for free. That's right. His home selling program is designed to maximize your sales price. You're in complete control. I love these terms. No long-term contracts, no required costly repairs. You pick your move date, and Dan can even find you a new new home before you move. Warren in Modesto says that he had a rental house, but he was ready to take advantage of the hot market and cash out, but his top priority was getting the highest price possible, but he didn't want to inconvenience his tenant with fixer-upper projects and such. It was a tall order, but it was not a problem for Dan Phipps. Warren says in just days... Dan sold his home for thousands more than updated houses nearby. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend, and I'd recommend him uh, to sell my own home. That's who I'd go to. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours, or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-840-6378, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three P's. D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S dot com. And the Mike Douglas Show will continue in three minutes. Here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, We've been talking about some travel problems that we're facing as uh, we get close to the summer months. One, apparently there's a pilot shortage a pilot shortage. Uh, fewer, apparently, fewer pilots from the military are entering commercial airline service, and it takes a long time to get them trained. And it's airlines, and I have not experienced this, but apparently 
some airlines in some parts of the nation are actually hiring buses for people to use instead of aircraft for these uh, short jaunts. Uh, uh, Unbelievable, isn't it? And I haven't experienced that. Maybe you have. have. Have you experienced canceled flights lately because of pilot shortages. I heard uh, one person on, uh, I think it was a a television program I was watching, that uh, they had to wait five hours, apparently, for a pilot to arrive. And uh, unfortunately, the pilot said something to the effect that they had pulled him off his day off, which was not a wise comment to make to the passengers who'd been waiting for five hours to get that aircraft going. Uh, so, so the airlines, you know, air travel may be a problem. And, uh, and so then we say, well, what about loading up the car? Well, that's fine. Load up the car. Look at gas prices. Come July, uh, the state taxes on gasoline on fuel are going to go up again. And the governor is saying, oh, I, I would like to pause that, but the legislature won't cooperate. I don't buy that with a supermajority. I might buy that if the California legislature was closer to a 50-50 match, even 45-55. But with a supermajority, I'm not buying it. I, I'm really not. And, and maybe I'm missing something, and, and you're welcome to... Let me know what I'm missing, if you'd like. 209-551-3483. I just think with a supermajority that there ought to be uh, a more choreographed approach to easing the pain at the pump for for all of us. So there we have the airlines uh, may be a problem with uh, not enough pilots and flights getting canceled or airlines hiring buses to uh, take people where they want to go if it's a short jaunt. And then we have the gas prices going up, so that makes us think twice about taking our, our own vehicles. Well, what about public transportation? Now, I, uh, I've enjoyed in the past, and I've got to be honest, I have not been on Amtrak since before the pandemic hit. So that was back in uh, 2019 sometime. Uh, I have made many a trip uh, to uh, to visit family down in Southern California on Amtrak. I uh, pick it up here in uh, the Modesto area and uh, travel by train down to Bakersfield. I, I enjoy that. Uh, and then, of course, at Bakersfield, you got to get on the bus. The, tr- the train where I'm going uh, doesn't go that far or that direction, so you have to board the bus. Boarding the bus is not my favorite thing, although usually there aren't a whole lot of people at the time that I'm, I'm going. It's, it's my least favorite part of the trip. I enjoy the train. I really do. I, I enjoy just watching out the window and the, the rumble of the cars and uh, there's something about being on the train. I just enjoy it. Taking the train uh, to Richmond uh, to meet up with my wife after uh, she's off work when, when she's working in that area. And uh, I've taken, uh, I think I've taken the train to, to get to Jack London Square, I think, in the past. So a lot, lot of, I think it's fun, fun things. However, there's another issue with public transportation now, and that is the focus on safety. In fact, a lot of cities are trying to figure out how to make people safe riding subways, commuter trains, and buses with rising crime and violence. 
I don't know about you. I love, I have in the past, visiting New York City. There's no way. First of all, I have no desire to go to New York City right now. But secondly, I have no idea, no desire to even approach a subway right now. I used to love that. Also in, uh, in Boston, in that area. Uh, I've gone to many conferences, both in, in New York and in the Boston area. I loved riding the, the subways, riding uh, the, the trains. Uh, I enjoyed it. Not anymore. So apparently closer to home on many transit systems, and that would include BART, Bay Area Rapid Transit, and the L.A. Metro, that uh, the raw number of crimes on those systems decreased during the pandemic. And you say, well, that sounds good. The, the, the crimes reported decreased. Well, probably a lot of that was due to the pandemic and people not on the trains and, and the buses and such. But the problem security-wise is that ridership has plunged and it's not coming back. Well, what happens when there are not a lot of people on public transportation? Crime starts to rise again. So what are they doing? What, what, what are cities and, and uh, transportation agencies doing to combat that? Apparently, they're thinking about spending more money on unarmed workers and to improve the transit service uh, by increasing the frequency of trains and buses. Uh, this is um, a quote from Daryl Owens. He's an East Bay Transit Riders Union member and a transit advocate. He says what people want to see on transit is transit personnel. No one wants to feel alone in a station. Well, don't, don't you feel that way? Uh, in the past, I especially in, in Los Angeles, uh, towards the nighttime, I've I've written I've uh, ridden the the gold uh, gold line from Arcadia into Hollywood for some shows and such, and e- even before the pandemic and all of that, I'm always very leery of what's going on around me, especially uh, at night. But you see that the 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 wisdom of having more transit officials around is they say that they can make stations uh, thriving destinations. And they say, well, look at the train stations in Japan where stations are bustling at all hours. Well, there's workers all over the place. They say, now, that's not to say that we don't need police officers, but um, uh, Hilda Solis, an L.A. County supervisor, who's also the chair of the L.A. Metro Board of Directors, says what we're looking for is not to eliminate the presence of armed officers, but also to have adequately trained public safety officers. It's not only for law enforcement on Metro, it's for the whole city. And so here, it, it just seems like our culture right now is, is just in, in, in a state, isn't it? Things that we used to be able to do and almost not think twice about, although I've always, I, I'm always aware of my surroundings situational awareness. I'm, I'm just always looking. But so we're, we're faced with some challenges now, the, the getting flights where we want to go. At the times we want to go, and, it's, and especially direct flights, hard to get these days. 
If we want to jump in the car, gas prices going up because the governor and the legislature, despite a supermajority, can't agree on giving us even a pause for it. And then we look at public transportation, and apparently because of the pandemic, ridership is down, and that results in... Uh, a rise in crime when you don't have a lot of people around. And so we're, we're in a fix, aren't we? What do you think? We have any solutions to that? Our phone number 209-551-3483. Are you afraid to ride public transportation for some of those reasons? 209-551-3483. And uh, we'll ride along with those subjects and uh, look at a few more coming up in five minutes here on The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. On air and online. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation. And again, want to say how much we appreciate you as uh, you engage with us live and local as we take a look at the issues of the day that affect you and me directly here in California's Central Valley. So much appreciate your, your creative thinking and the way that we can reasonably, rationally, and respectfully uh, address these issues and work through them. And as I've said many, many times, often uh, some of your com- comments cause me to say, hmm, maybe I need to take another look at that particular uh, perspective. And that's the value of free speech, of engaging in the marketplace of ideas. That is so, so important to the health of, uh, of our culture. Well, you may be uh, noticing if you're in the Bay Area uh, and if you're in uh, Modesto or maybe Turlock tomorrow near some hospitals that uh, some nurses in the Bay Area are on strike and there'll be apparently some nurses picketing in, uh, in the Modesto area and the Turlock area tomorrow. Uh, apparently, uh, nurses plan to hold informational pickets tomorrow at... Uh, Doctors Medical Center in Modesto and Emanuel Medical Center in Turlock, according to the California Nurses Association, which is, uh, is a healthcare union. And apparently, there are seven other hospitals in the state that are also owned by Tenant that they're going to be picketing as well. So they're urging Tenant to hire more nurses and improve what they say are very poor working conditions in hospitals that began uh, to um, surface during the COVID-19 emergency in 2020. And here the union representatives are saying many experienced nurses have made the difficult choice to leave the profession rather than jeopardize their nursing licenses due to unsafe working conditions. That's according to Maria Ibarra, a nurse at Doctors uh, Hospital of Modesto. And she's quoted in the news release put out by the California Nurses Association. She said, due to the chronic understaffing, nurses have been working without meals and rest breaks. We know that this is bad for patients and nurses because it heightens the risk of workplace injuries 
and medical errors. Well, what are the hospitals saying? What is Tenant saying? Well, uh, one of the responses uh, is that uh, Krista Deans, Krista Deans of Tenant, says, while we value all of our nurses who are represented by the CNA, we're disappointed that the union is taking this action. We're currently negotiating with the union, bargaining in good faith to reach an agreement. So there, uh, as you may know, there's already, we are talking about pilot shortages uh, a little bit ago. There's a nurse, a nurse, a nurse shortage in, uh, in California as well. And uh, not, not just here, but across, uh, across the country. And there's um, apparently uh, some nurses have stopped working in hospitals and they've taken uh, less stressful jobs in health care. Others have left nursing. And uh, the median wages, by the way, for nurses in California is $60 per hour. Uh, they say the Bay Area average pay for nurses $76 per hour or about $152,000 annually, not including benefits. So in the Bay Area, they're not just picketing, they're going on strike. About 5,000 nurses at Stanford and Packard Children's Hospital began a strike yesterday. And again, they're, they're looking for what they say is a, a more fair contract. Uh, again, they're citing uh, burnout and exhaustion that's driving many nurses, they say, to reconsider their professions. Uh, an OR nurse named Anthony Vetch says we want to make nursing attractive and for people to stay. And Stanford has really got to step up their game in order to do that. So those of you who may be in the profession, those of you who may be on the administrative side, what do you think? Are there valid points on both sides, both on the administ- hospital administrative side, the tenant side? Uh, the, hosp- the the big organiz- healthcare organization side, and are there equally valid um, points being made by the nurses and other healthcare workers? Uh, and here here's another question that I have for you: How do you feel about nurses going on strike? How do you feel about that? Two zero nine five five one three four eight three. I am not for exhausting nurses. I am not for not allowing them their breaks. I am not for not allowing them to have their meal times. I'm not for having them or forcing them to exceed the the nurse to patient ratio or the patient to nurse ratio, whichever way you want to look at it. But but when and I, and I guess th- there's something that I'm I I get very uncomfortable with when you begin to go on strike and people's health and lives are in your hands. And I'm not saying there's not a point on, on both sides. I'm, I'm, I get uncomfortable. Do you get uncomfortable with healthcare workers going on strike with police officers going on strike? Uh, now I have, I've never been a healthcare worker. I've been in the fire and rescue service. I've been in law enforcement, never been involved in a, in a strike with either of those. And I, I think uh, one, one of the bents that I have, and it's probably not served me well in terms of having a pile of money to retire with, and I have no plans in retiring, by the way. I, 
as a vocational minister, I intend to keep on keeping on as long as I'm vertical and taking nourishment. And uh, as far as radio goes, as long as you'll have me and iHeart will have me, I plan to do that as well. I don't uh, have any desire to, and I'm not pleased if you're a fisher person, fisherman, fisherwoman, whatever. Don't don't take offense. I, I am not a good fisherman. And so it is not attractive to me to move somewhere and, and fish for the rest of my days. I have to do something. I have to do something productive. Uh, that That's me. And in my early days in, in law enforcement, I would go above and beyond. If, uh, if we were, well, running some operations that, uh, that required uh, an extra radio and they couldn't afford it, I'd go out and buy one. And, and again, it probably hasn't served me well because I've spent a lot of money both in uh, vocational ministry and in my service with uh, the fire service and law enforcement, sometimes buying my, my own, uh, own equipment. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a work ethic to me. It's you got to get the job done. And if I have to sacrifice something to get the job done, I'm going to do it. Not everybody has that. And of course, if you're part of a union, I think the union takes a, a dim uh, view on that. Well, we've been talking about shortages in nursing and pilots and uh, across the board. It just seems like we're up against it, aren't we? Well, let's uh, let's go back to the phones. 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Uh, let's go to line one here. Welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. How are you? Welcome. And what's on your mind today? doing great um i have a nurse that currently goes to my church and uh she has a master's degree she went all the way through the pandemic and whatnot uh working for the local hospital she um uh got covid her her husband who's a ambulance driver got covid also and uh they refused to get the COVID-19 shot due to a religious exemption. And I'm just wondering if that's the requirement there is still for them to get the shot. I'm wondering if that's, and what is so weird about that is that the hospital required her to leave, but the state of California didn't have a problem hiring her to do a travel nursing job, even though she didn't have the COVID-19 shot. I think you're making a very, very salient point, one that that makes connection with some things we've been talking about over the past two years. I think you make a great point. The shortage, in part, may be due to the fact of the very stringent rules that a lot of hospitals and uh, their administrative organizations uh, have. And I know... Uh, also, personally, some nurses uh, in the Bay Area, two of the husband and wife team, and they basically have had it. They're, they're looking to go somewhere else because of the restrictions in the hospital itself. So I think you may have a point there. Perhaps some of those COVID-19 related issues have uh, contributed to that shortage. Uh, good, good, good call. And they're still... Yeah, they're, they're still going on today, though. I mean, they're still required to have the shop. I'm in the, I'm a part of the clergy here in the Central Valley, and, you know, I've had a couple calls to go to the hospital to talk with patients, and I've, of course, got a religious exemption and not, 
not received the shot, but at the front doors, of course, the hospitals are going to turn me away even to uh, pray with an individual that is on their dying bed or sick bed. Yeah, absolutely, and and uh, I, uh, I've been there, done that. I understand that. The other thing, and I'm, I'm sure you uh, experienced this as well in the midst of the pandemic, uh, I had to do a couple of hospital visitations, and I had to wait outside for 45 minutes, you know, where we used to be able to go up there and, and visit with the, the congregant, the patient, and pray with them and such. I had to wait outside for 45 minutes before I even got inside the doorway to get screens. So I, 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 I think uh, in, in many, many different ways, the policies related to COVID-19 have been uh, very destructive, I, I think, in many ways. Hey, thanks so much for the call, uh, and uh, uh, thank you for what you do as, as well. I appreciate uh, you calling in today. Good, good point. You know, maybe some of those issues are, are tied to the policies that we're uh, dealing with. Back to the phones, 209-551-3483. Nurses going on strike. Nurses picketing. What do you think about it? 209-551-3483. Let's talk to uh, Chad from Nodesto. Chad, what do you think? So on the, on the strike, I fail to see how skipping work standing out front on the sidewalk and holding signs and chants that disparage your employer makes you more desirable and makes your employer want to give you better compensation. I don't see how that works. And didn't when Ronald Reagan was the president, didn't all of the traffic controllers, they said they were going to play real hardball with uh, the aviation administration. And so they went on strike. So Reagan just canned them all stuck a bunch of military guys in there to take their place temporarily and then trained a whole new crew and left all the all the strikers out in the cold yeah that that was a massive uh coup on the part of ronald reagan uh that took a lot of guts uh it, it took a lot of fortitude and uh yeah he he basically put it right back on him chad here's here's and, and let me let me uh focus this in just a little bit and, and get your read on this as well I have an internal problem with strikes that affect people's safety and their health. And so for me, uh, law enforcement going on strike, nurses going on strike, it doesn't hit me well. You brought up an interesting point that how is, for the nurses, how is that going to uh, convince the hospital that they ought to... uh, you know, meet the demands they're looking for. I'm thinking, Chad, and let me get your your thought on this. What does that say to the public when the nurses that should be taking care of them are striking or picketing? And you think, Chad, of of the many uh, dairy folks and uh, the farmers in our area who work long, long, long hours, tiring hours because they have to, what is it? What do you think it says to the public when nurses go on strike? What do you think? Well, I don't ever remember time where we couldn't show up to milk, or when I couldn't go out to irrigate, or when the trees got a disease I couldn't spray. It didn't matter what the trees said to me; I still had to go do my job. Mm. Yep, I agree, Chad. Hey, thanks for the call. Appreciate that very much, uh, Chad. <laughs> 
have some good points. Uh, but I listen, if you're in the healthcare industry and you're supporting these strikes and I may not be seeing something you're seeing, I would love to hear from you. 209-551-3483. We'll get back to the phones in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon in California's Central Valley here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Again, uh, this Nurses going to be picketing tomorrow. Doctors Medical Center in uh, Modesto, uh, Emanuel uh, Hospital in uh, Turlock, and in the Bay Area, uh, about 5,000 nurses at Stanford and Packard Children's Hospital uh, began their strike on Monday. And again, I am not in favor of abusing nurses think they ought to have their breaks. It's a tough job. It's a very physical job. And you have cranky patients. You have cranky doctors. And some of the best care that you get in a hospital is going to come from that nurse, really. And so it it comes down to, I, I don't know, I, I just, I, I still have a deep down angst over public safety personnel and public health personnel going on strike. I, I just, uh, and, and especially, and, you know, maybe this is a, it, it's one of the things that bothers me, and that is I will never make uh, a fraction of what some of these people make. And we all have hard jobs, and and we don't really know what those jobs are unless we, and I understand that, unless we've walked in the shoes of people in those other jobs. But just in terms of principle, I think one of the problems that we have today is that health care has gotten out of control. It's way too big, and it's run by bureaucrats. I don't like bureaucrats deciding whether or not I should have a doctor's examination or a particular surgery. Uh, I don't like a bureaucrat deciding my health care future because the bureaucrat is operating upon a, uh, a, let's call it an operating table uh, of capitation, not decapitation. Don't misunderstand me, but capitation. And it comes, it comes down to dollars and cents. It comes down to how much are we going to spend on this person? Is it worth it? And this just, uh, we, we've lost, I think, the spirit of the healthcare industry or the health, let me rephrase that, the healthcare profession by becoming too big. You get these huge, huge, uh, and I, listen, if you're working for a tenant, I'm, I'm not meaning to demean you at all. I'm, I'm making the point that I believe the organizations have gotten way too big. Kaiser, tenant, you name it. And because of that, we're no, we are numbers. And I was talking to a, a doctor not too long ago who, who retired. And he said, you know, the, the family practice 
that we used to value, the family practice that a lot of us grew up with, right? The family doctor, a lot of that's going to go the way of the buffalo or the dinosaur anyway. We're going to rarely see that anymore because healthcare is big business with big corporations deciding what you and I ought to have in terms of our health care, not our decision anymore. And oftentimes, sometimes, not even our doctor's decisions. It's up to the bureaucrats. And if you're a bureaucrat in the healthcare care industry, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not meaning to beat up on you personally. I'm just talking about the general industry to me has become way too big. It's become way too dollar sensitive and good health care is suffering. What do you think? 209-551-3483. I think we're going to see not only nurse shortages, I think we're going to see doctor shortages if, if we're not already. Who in the world wants to go to be a doctor these days? If your motivation is to heal, uh, I think you probably have to revisit that. Your motivation needs to be, uh, will I comply? How can I comply with the big business folks to make sure that I am in line with the protocols and uh, the decisions that bureaucrats make about my patients? I, I don't know about you. I've, I've had doctors who just shake their heads and say, wish, wish we could do this, but I can't. Or here's the best thing I could do for you, but let's see if your insurance will cover it. Uh, you know, I've had some issue with my eyes. And uh, right now I've learned that an eye drop I have to have has been taken off the formulary. Well, good. What am I supposed to do with that? We'll continue the conversation after the top of the hour news and weather and traffic here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We'll be back in five minutes. The show you love with even more local news and more local talk. The Voice of the Valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we head into our number two of the Mike Douglas Show today on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. I'm looking forward to this next call very much because we're going to talk to a retired nurse. And we've been talking about the uh, picketing that will be going on tomorrow at uh, Emanuel Medical Center in Turlock, at Doctors Medical Center in uh, Modesto, and then the strike that's going on at Stanford and Packard Children's Hospital, uh, all uh, tied to uh, California Nurses Association. And the nurses saying, look, we're we're working in conditions that uh, just are unrealistic and dangerous for us and for the patients. We've been discussing uh, whether or not it's appropriate or not. And uh, so I'm looking forward to the ne- this next call because Barbara from Stockton is a retired nurse. Barbara, what, what's your view on this? Help, help us understand it from a professional's perspective. Okay, Mike, I'm happy to do it because, Mike, I'm a retired nurse for 40 years. 
I worked both at the county and I worked private. And see what happens with the hospitals is that they put you, as nurses, they put you on a guilt trip, you know, because to be in nursing in the first place, you know, you have to have compassion. It's not a it's not a job that you can do just, you know, to go into it to make money. And, you know, you work with the people. Now, in, in where I worked, first I worked the emergency room. After working in the emergency room for so many years, I end up doing oncology. Oncology is when you take care of patients who have cancer. And, Mike, I just have to tell you, by the time you leave duty, a lot of times you just feel so drained because you feel, you know, you think about the people that you know, your family, you know, people that are sick, that particularly that have cancer, and, you know, it just, you can't help but be, feel compassion for these people. Okay, now, the hospitals, what they do is when there's not enough nursing staff, they they try to make do with what they have. And I can remember working eight hours and then when somebody didn't show up for work, they were saying, well, could you, do you think you could work another eight hours? You know, and I did it. And it, it just it's just really draining. And uh, when you, in nursing, particularly now in California, you have to carry so much insurance. Now, uh, we used to have to carry at least 500000 to a $1 million insurance, but the way you do that, by belonging to the California Nurses Association as a group, we were, we were able to get our insurance at a decent rate, you know, with so many nurses uh, buying the insurance. But it's just things have changed so much, and people are so, so happy now. And you have to be so careful about what you do. You have to document everything on the people that you're taking care of. And if you're taking care of five or six patients that are really, really ill, and you've got to be sure and document everything, it's just it, it just gets to be too much. Now, I worked all those years because uh, I did have a family, and I did have to help support the family, you know, my husband and so forth. But people don't understand. It's, it's not just a job that you can do, and it just takes a lot out of you. And that's the most that I can say. Now, I know that I would bet you that most of those nurses out there, they don't want to strike, but that's the only way that you can get the attention, you know, is by striking. So, you know, if if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer, but, you know, that was just my feeling. No, some some good points, uh, Barbara, and we appreciate that. You're pointing out that, you know, there's uh, emotional as well as uh, physical. It's an emotionally and physically uh, draining profession. Uh, my wife's a nurse practitioner. I under I I got that. Understand that. Uh, you made an interesting comment about uh, hospitals uh, putting a guilt trip upon nurses. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, Thank, thank you for bringing it uh, to our attention from your side of the aisle there, Barbara. I appreciate that very much. Uh, and thank thank okay. you for I your 40 years of you, serving Mike. others. We appreciate that very much. That is correct. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. Okay, well, bye-bye. Thank All right, you. Barbara. Thanks for the call. That was good. Uh, had had some good thoughts there. Let's get your thoughts as well, 209-551-3483. We've been talking about the gas tax going up in July and uh, the 
governor and the supermajority legislature apparently uh, not agreeing with each other, and we're the victims. We're the ones that uh, wind up out in the cold in terms of the prices going up. And, of course, talking about uh, the medical situation as well. Uh, Nurses on strike in the Bay Area. Nurses will be picketing tomorrow at uh, DMC in Modesto, Doctors Medical Center in Emanuel as well. Get your thoughts on it, 209-551-3483. Mike from LaGrange, uh, what are your thoughts on these multiple issues today? Well, I have a comment on both of them, um, or a point of view. Um, first of all, I'd like to talk about the gas tax. Uh, the, uh, the system is rigged. The, our polls are rigged. We need district attorneys who are willing to stand up and start counting the votes for real and start arresting people because we have been, they've been stealing elections in this state for the last 20 years and they're going to continue to do so. They don't fear the electric because they know that they've got it rigged. They know that they aren't going to get kicked out of office because they know they've got enough quote mail-in ballots to cover any deficit that that may, that may arise. And if you guys don't believe that you really need to take a look at what's going on around you and open your eyes because trust me, Newsom doesn't fear anybody because he's got it in the bag no matter what happens. None of these Democrats fear anybody because it's been taken. Our system has been taken over, and it's just it in a nutshell. Excuse me one second. All right, so Mike Mike uh, from LaGrange pointing man. out that uh, especially, I would have guessed, Mike, in your opinion, the mail-in ballots contributing to that uh, issue of, uh, I, I would say, that yes. they cast a shadow on the legitimacy of our elections, don't you think? They, they do more than cast a shadow on the legitimacy of our elections. They actually corrupt our elections, and we all know that what's happening and that's what's happened in the state for the last 20 plus years and there's no way of getting around it uh secondly i'd like to speak a little bit about i'd like to speak on uh, on the healthcare system my wife who is, who is a nurse and has been one for 20 years and was an icu nurse for 17 of those 20 years um if you don't think they have post-traumatic stress you're, you're out of your mind because trust me, you have enough people in your life in 17 years that you see come and go, literally come and go and die. Um, that can, that could take a toll on you. And my wife has a broken rod in her back right now, literally as we're speaking right now. And it's been taking her six weeks to get into the very same hospital that she works for Wow! to get her surgery, to get her surgery done. All they do is keep on giving her pain meds and just tell her, uh, wait a few more weeks, wait a few more weeks. That's a bureaucracy. And that's, that's just, uh, that's how they're taking care of their own people. And I just can't tell you how PO'd I am at the doctor and I've voiced my opinion to them. So obviously they don't like me that much, uh, <laughs> but it perplexes me to no end that they can't take care of somebody who's literally has a broken freaking back and they can't get her in and Memorial hospital. I know you're listening so I'm hoping you people there get get the program. Uh, anyway, those are my thoughts. Um, the nurses deserve. Uh, I do agree about the strike thing, but my wife went through it all, uh, being an ICU nurse for all those years. And when it comes time to help them, they don't seem to have the time mm. nor the inclination to do it. And our elections are rigged. 
get off. You guys open your eyes. They've been rigged forever. Newsom doesn't fear a soul because he knows that that system is rigged. They don't fear anybody. They, they don't fear a soul because it's, it's, it's been so corrupted. And what I, one more thing before I leave, why don't our district attorneys get off their keisters and show a little cojones and start in, in, in inspecting some of these things? Let's start. Let's, let's, let's cover the polls. Let's really see what's going on. There's people that need to be in prison here. Prison, not jail, prison. But nobody will do a dang thing about it. And they're going to continue to steal these elections. They're going to let L.A. burn to the ground. And they're going to take care of the Central Valley pretty quick, too. Anyway, that's my opinion, Mike. And I'm glad that I have a place to voice it. Because, quite frankly, they're going to try cutting this off before long, too. Well, I do appreciate you. I do appreciate the show. Go ahead. Yeah, I think, Mike, uh, you are right in that there will be uh, subvertive, if not outright open, attempts to uh, to cancel any type of opposing narrative in California. I think we are we already see that. We we know it's headed that direction. I think what it takes, Mike, is uh, folks like you and me and some others to say, come what may, we're going to stand up and we're going to we're going to voice what we feel is is the truth and not worry about the consequences. I want to tie that, Mike, to your comment about a lot of the D.A.'s. A lot of the DAs, of course, are elected, and that that comes back to pleasing the people that elected them and the money that got them elected and the the backing. You think of George Soros and, and the backing of people like Goscone in, in L.A. There, there's an agenda well, behind God. this. Oh, without, without a doubt, Goscone in L.A. should be arrested himself. We know the corruption is just so freaking deep it's just i just want somebody to get arrested i mean we see the fraud we see we see the bribes we see i mean look at all of our congressmen look at all our all of our state senators everybody gets out and becomes a lobbyist what you know there's a reason for that Mm -hmm. it's because they're all on the take how do you work at a job making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year which you really aren't working to begin with and then you you come out a millionaire or you get a job when you get out and you become a millionaire. Just follow the money. It's a very basic, basic thing. You and I, Mike, would be in prison if we did something like that in the business world. Oh, I have, Guarantee you. <laughs> we'd lock us up and throw the key away. I, I agree with you. We'd probably be in the same cell block and we'd be raising cane there, too. Uh, Mike, thanks for the call. I appreciate your time. <laughs> All right, man. appreciate that very much. And uh, appreciate your willingness to, to be passionate about what you believe in. And uh, I'm, you know, thinking about uh, Mike's wife's experience here. Here she has uh, needs needs back surgery and can't get it. And she's in the healthcare profession. Uh, and, and again, I think we've heard at least two perspectives here about how emotionally and physically draining the nursing profession is. So we always need to look at these issues from a variety of different angles, and I appreciate your willingness to do that because that helps us all understand the issues better. Well, we'll explore more issues and understanding them better as well coming up in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show, 209-551-3483. Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. 
Mike Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. You're listening to the Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the valley. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. As always, want to recognize the Mike Douglas Show team here uh, today. Our assistant producer and call screener, Brenda Lapome, also the operations director for Advancing Vibrant Communities. And our producer is uh, the amazing producer of producers, Mike Murray. And uh, just thank them so much for all they do in the background to uh, make this show a success and to provide you with the opportunity to uh, take advantage of the live and local time that iHeartMedia has provided us here. So thank uh, thanks to Mike Murray and Brenda Lapome for uh, your contributions to the Mike Douglas Show. Uh, so we're talking about uh, a lot of these issues regarding health care and, and strikes and, and such. Uh, another, you may be wondering... You may be wondering, Mike, how come you haven't talked about Johnny Depp? Well, I don't want to say I I got to put on my pastor hat here and, and remind myself to be at least partially full of grace. It's not that I don't care. Uh, I, I care in the sense that I wish the best for Johnny Depp and his uh, his ex-wife, uh, Ms. Hurd. But uh, as, as far as keeping an eye on it, I have no desire to see these updates. Uh, I think it was, I saw something here earlier today that apparently Howard Stern, of all people, weighed in on it and apparently said, in his opinion, Johnny Depp is just a narcissist, and and we're it, it to me it's it's like we are a peeping tom, you know, so to speak. We're we're uh, looking through the window of the Depp household and seeing all the ugliness that that happens there. Each side has its own spin, and I guess maybe it's because I did so much couple mentoring. Now, for couples in crisis, so in my early years in, in vocational ministry, that I I want to climb through the television set or the streaming screen, and well, I won't tell you what I want to do, but I, I it would be wonderful to be able to have an audience with them and say, can we get real? Can we get real and and stop the spin and let let's 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 deal with some of your worldview issues. And I think if you straighten those out, if you straighten out your vertical relationship, your horizontal relationship might fall into place. But anyway, that's why uh, I, I don't intend to cover it. Uh, if, if you would like to make a comment, you're welcome to 209-551-3483. But frankly, I, um, I basically go out of the room to uh, refresh my coffee or get a snack when that news item comes on. Really, I'm not, I'm not interested in, uh, in what's happening with that. I am interested in this whole Elon Musk Twitter development this week. Uh, there was a, a tweet that I thought was ironic from um, Angelo Carusoni. 
Is that how you pronounce it? Carusone, C-A-R-U-S-O-N-E. Carusone. He is the president of Nonprofit Media Matters. And his, uh, I think, ironic quote of the day, and this was listed in Political, accountability now rests with Twitter's top advisors who need to make it clear that if Twitter becomes a free-for-all of hate, extreming, uh, extremism, and disformation, they will walk. Well, wasn't that what it had become? Isn't that why Elon Musk wanted to buy it for $40, $45 billion? Because it had become a free-for-all of hate, extremism, and disinformation. You see, it all depends upon what angle you're looking at this from. That was not grammatical, but I uh, hate to end it with a preposition, but you get my... my. It's, it is so interesting to me that the woke community is up in arms now because Twitter is no longer supporting their narrative. That's what it's all about. It's, it's not about the marketplace of ideas. It's about shutting up the narrative you don't want to hear and that you don't want to have, uh, that you don't want America to hear. And I, I, I think there are some reasonable restrictions if, if people are getting uh, verbally violent uh, with threats and such on, on any social media. I don't, I don't have any problem with having that uh, censored. I really don't. That doesn't contribute to the marketplace of ideas. That wasn't part of what the founders had in mind when they uh, talked about the First Amendment. Uh, but I, I do I do think that Elon Musk has the opportunity to open it up so that everyone has a legitimate platform and or an opportunity to the platform to make their perspectives known. This business, whether you like Donald Trump or not, is not the point. You do not take a sitting president off your social media. What's the purpose in doing that? Doesn't fit your narrative. Doesn't fit your political opinions. I mean, it's blatant. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll get uh, some thoughts from uh, a man that I highly restra- uh, respect, Victor Davis Hansen from the Hoover Institute. Uh, coming up in about five minutes, uh, we'll we'll get some thoughts from him about what's happening with the whole Elon Musk Twitter extravaganza get your thoughts too coming up in five minutes power talk 1360 kfiv here's more with the voice of the valley mike douglas on power talk 1360 kfiv and streamed on the iheart radio app and welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, uh, the, the iHeartRadio app. Do you use that? I use that a lot. I'm uh, on the road a lot, uh, although <laughs> given the gas prices these days, I, I don't know about you. Do you have second, third, and maybe fourth thoughts about going to run an errand? I I have fifth fifth thoughts now about that i'm thinking do i really want to spend gas uh that kind of money to go run an errand and then of course it comes down to well maybe i'll just order it online um but i see the problem with all of this is that when we do that 
we are not supporting our local economy, and I think that is so important. And I, I'm all for uh, supporting especially local businesses, especially a small businessman and the small businesswoman. I, I believe we need to support them and encourage them and, and uh, be good customers as, uh, as much as we can. I believe in putting money back in to our local communities, but my goodness, uh, if if I have to drive any distance to do that, I have second, third, fourth, fifth, and fifth, and maybe even sixth thoughts now about uh, about doing that. Here's some thoughts too about what's happening with uh, Elon Musk and Twitter. Again, I I rarely tweet. Once in a while, advancing vibrant communities will use Twitter to get uh, to get the word out. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm all for this. I think this is a great thing. And I, I know that Elon Musk and I probably, probably will not agree on everything, but, uh, I, he's an entrepreneur and I love to see entrepreneurs do what they do best. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm all for this. So as you know, Twitter will no longer be a publicly traded company. Uh, Once Elon Musk takes over, he'll own it. And we are hoping that he'll be good on his statement that uh, he said he he wants his harshest critics to stay on Twitter. He says that's what free speech means. Well, he's right. And, And I hope that he follows through on his commitment. I would think if he's spending... 40 or 45 billion dollars with a B that he would carry out his uh, his plan and 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 that he would carry through with the passion that's behind having to spend those kinds of dollars to take over this uh, this social media outlet. Well, one of the people that I very highly respect, I think he's a great thinker. Uh, he's usually very humble in the way that uh, he presents his viewpoints. Highly intelligent man, Victor Davis Hansen from the Hoover Institution. And uh, he had some comments about uh, the whole Elon Musk Twitter development. He, he seems to be in favor of it. In fact, he, he thinks it's going to be a good thing. Here's what Victor Davis Hansen had to say. But I think it's the start of a revolution that could expand well beyond Twitter. Wow, that's interesting to think about. A revolution that could ex- extend beyond Twitter. Wouldn't that be a cool thing? Wouldn't that be something? And uh, again, I, I don't want to see woke folk not have a platform. I want to know what they're thinking. The point is... The rest of us would like to have a platform as well. Here's another thought from Victor Davis Hanson. Maybe he wants to have Twitter as a platform and go into what Facebook does or Google does mm-hmm. or Snapchat or Instagram and, and just revolutionize the whole Silicon Valley. Revolutionize the whole Silicon Valley. I like it. I like it from Victor Davis Hanson. Let's go back to the phones now, 209-551-3483. 
Get your thoughts on the state of health care today. Been talking about nurses striking in the Bay Area. Nurses are going to be picketing tomorrow at Doctors Medical Center in Modesto and at Emanuel Medical Center in Turlock. We've also explored the fact from those who know that the nursing profession can be emotionally and physically exhausting, and it has its own PTSD issues as well. So again, we're looking at this from a variety of different angles. Let's get some more angles from 209-551-3483. That's our phone number. Let's find out what Kathleen in Oakdale has on her mind today. Hi, Kathleen. Welcome. Hello. Um, I think that the um, American Medical Association is too big uh, to prosecute, uh, to arrest and convict uh, for corruption, for uh, corrupt medical practices and corrupt business practices and so on. So I think we should just go ahead and just close them down because they're just too big uh, for the law enforcement. And um, they've built themselves that way. And I think that it's uh, that's where the, why the bad medicine is going on. And um, that's who puts uh, medical corruption into, into play and on such a big way uh, is um, bad medicine. And... Um, it's interesting to me that these uh, the doctors and nurses themselves are um, complaining about the bad medicine. That's bad medicine uh, to overwork your nurses into a strike, and um, so I and that and they have PTSD, uh, they have substance use disorders, and so on. Uh, they they themselves are uh, have are affected by the bad medicine that that they are in the business of doing. And so I think that we should just open up two other associations in place of the American Medical Association. One should be for the doctors, one should be for the nurse. And uh, they should have to play by the rules of a free country uh, with free people in a free state. And that means that they cannot uh, be making the patient's decisions and uh, ever at any level and at any time. And uh, and that's one of the reasons why they are uh, deliberately dismembering people and deliberately uh, even killing people um, and getting away with it because the patient has uh, no decision in it. Yeah, I think, Kathleen, one, one of the, the threads that is weaving itself through your tapestry there is that a lot of these organizations, these associations and the unions have gotten way too big way too powerful. And when that happens, you always want to hang on to the power. You want to hang on to the dollar. You don't want to let go. And that that skews your perspective. That puts filters in place that are unhealthy uh, for those in power and those that are affected by them as well. Excuse me. Um, That's really not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's the corruption that the corrupt people went in with corrupt intentions, and they corrupted the uh, health care in the United States. And um, they, um, they did it with the intention of being corrupt. They are, they are doing it with the intention of, of good medicine, uh, and uh, they're doing it with the intention of corrupt medicine uh, for their corrupt purposes. Um, and uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's a master over the uh the uh the the 
subjects, master over the subjects it's a relationship. They are trying to create a master race and a subject race at the same time, the corrupt people uh, doing the corrupt medicine. And that has what has taken over the American Medical Association. Okay, let me, let, whoa, whoa, hey, so, let, let, let me, let me uh, put the brakes here just for a second, make sure I understand what you're saying. Are you using okay. race as a metaphor, or are you saying literally they want to create a master race? No, they actually just a, a master designation. Okay, this I got you. Okay. People over here, All they right. can be of any racial background, but they okay, I got but it. they have been made by the medical association to be to be superior because they uh, the doctors have doctored them to be superior, and at the same time, the subjects have been doctored, medically doctored, to be inferior. Okay, I, I just start dismembering I, people; they become inferior to people that you have never dismembered. <laughs> they and, are, and, and, and I assume you're not talking about those who are no longer members of the organization. Probably, uh, Kathleen. Thanks, thanks for the call. Yeah. Kathleen has some interesting thoughts there. Uh, one of one of her uh, viewpoints is that these people were corrupt from the very beginning. That's an interesting thought. I don't know if I'm I'm there yet, Kathleen. With that, I think, um, and and I can't say this with any specificity regarding the American Medical Association or the California Nurses Association. I think a lot of people. Uh, begin with the best of intentions. I think of, of many of our politicians that go to uh, Sacramento or, or go to Washington, D.C. as senators or congresspeople. I think the, and this is my opinion, uh, Kathleen, I, I think the system corrupts them. Uh, I think, now, now there are some, I, I will not deny that, who I, who I believe went in with uh, suspect motives from the very beginning, corrupt motives from the very beginning. But I'm thinking when these systems, uh, when our government, uh, when these associations, when these unions get so big, when healthcare uh, organizations get so big, they begin, the, the system itself corrupts those who are in it. What do you think? You have any thoughts on that? 209-551-3483. The bigger we get, the more corruption, 209-551-3483. We'll continue the conversation in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360 KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We're talking about health care and systems that may be getting too big, and do they corrupt those who are part of the systems? Let's continue the conversation at 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Let's go up the road a piece to Escalon and Jeanette. Jeanette, welcome. What are your thoughts? Oh, hi, Mike. Okay, so I didn't get in all, all the conversation. I was out and about, and I um, got uh, some of the conversation about the nurses, and I, I get all that. Um, and our know, unions can get pretty corrupt, but but I I don't know if I was 
reading incorrectly between the lines because it seems to be like, I mean, the, the doctors for the most part are, are good providers. And that one caller who was upset about the doctor because his wife couldn't even get the care she needed, and it, it's not in the hands of the doctors. And that's the problem. I mean, my husband was in health information management, and he said when healthcare went to managed care way back in the 80s, and he saw it coming, and then Obamacare, he said it would be a disaster. And, and um, you know, decisions are being made by, um, by government and, you know, by government agencies. And uh, unions, of course, are just trying to keep together the local level. The AMA, uh, I grant it, I don't agree with um, all uh, what their dictates and their policies and so on. So they're not the best and so on. I can't speak for the nurses' union, but but uh, we got to get government so much government out, regulation out of healthcare. It should be the providers, the health the healthcare providers, the doctors and nurses that are the primary, you know, uh, caregivers, not the government. Because that's, that's what's holding them back. Jeanette, I, I do agree with you on that. I think one of the major problems is uh, government interference in our health care uh, systems. And, and you're right, because especially here in, in highly overregulated California, uh, it, it's hard to move. It's almost suffocating the, well, the regulations. It's, it's a the whole system of managed care and Obamacare and covered California, it's all moving towards socialized medicine. Oh, yes. And we know what a disaster that is in other countries. And a lot of countries have pulled back from that. And we need to do that, too. I mean, that, that, that's got to be addressed uh, because it's, um, uh, you know, the promised uh, low cost of health care didn't happen. It raised the co- uh, cost of health care. So, um, yeah. Well, I think, uh, I, I think also, Jeanette, um, managed care is wonderful if you're healthy. Not so good yeah. when you get yeah. sick, right? Or you need yeah. an yeah. operation or whatever. Uh, by the way, just uh, maybe a point of clarification, and I don't want to speak for the other caller uh, that you were referring to. I think uh, his, if, if you were referring to Mike, I think Mike's point uh, was it wasn't so much the doctors that he was uh, talking about. It, it was the, uh, it, it, the, the higher-ups, the administration of, of the healthcare system yeah, that think, was interfering. I, I, I think that. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, and it, and it, you have to get everything clear with insurance and stuff like that. There are so many factors to getting a patient through, but it's really bogged it down, just like in other countries where you wait weeks. And I remember in Canada, I had a I had a cousin who lived in Canada. She'd come here years ago to get because she couldn't get into a doctor for a year, and we're getting like that. And that, that's all that socialized medicine, that, that, that uh, healthcare delivery system that is just not working for us. And the doctor's hands are tied. I mean, they used to have uh, a lot more, um, uh, I don't know if the authority is the right word, but, but they basically, lo- they, they, they go into medicine because they really care about patients. I don't know too many doctors who, who don't care about their patients, but it's frustrating because you can't get into I made an appointment for a doctor and it's I can't get it until September and I made it a month ago you know it never used to be like that that's man, that's managed care that's what it does 
Socialized medicine. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've never been a fan of managed care at all. And you're right about socialized medicine. That that is the push. Uh, And the push here in California, I guarantee uh, in the backroom uh, discussions in Sacramento, it's all about uh, a one payer system, which will be disastrous. Yeah, And, you know, and you think they would learn from other countries. been there, done that. And why do we repeat those same mistakes? I, I don't get yeah. that. Well, and, and <laughs> Jeanette, so. great, great point. Why don't we learn from history? Uh, great point. Jeanette, thanks so much for the call. You, you and, bring up some good good points there. Our phone number here, 209-551-3483, I, I'm guessing that many of you have been in a circumstance where your doctor would like to do something for you but can't because, well, that medication isn't in the formulary. As I told you, I, for my eye health to be able to continue to see, I need a particular type of eye drop to put in that particular eye. Well, it's been taken off the formulary. So I'm faced with either taking out a third mortgage in order to pay for the eye drops or uh, letting my eye go the way the dinosaur. We, we shouldn't have those kinds of uh, those kinds of choices that, that we have to face. Uh, so it is. And I, I agree with uh, uh, Jeanette so much about managed care. And I and there are people in managed care systems that navigated fine and and they uh they have been able to work through the system without uh without many problems but on par and again i'm watching my wife as a nurse practitioner work in the systems that she has worked in over uh, over over three decades of of our marriage and i see how detrimental it can be to have bureaucrats uh, decide on what your health care ought to be. It's it's a horrible, and you run into these problems. Uh, Mike uh, called a couple of minutes ago talking about the fact his wife's in great pain. Uh, she needs surgery, can't get it. And uh, so many other people, my wife talks to people all the time, uh, and, and she tries to get an ad, be an advocate for them to try to get in to see the proper resource, the proper doctor, or the proper medical uh, resource that they need for their health. And what stands in the way? It's all dictated by bureaucrats. All maybe is too strong a word, but much of it is dictated by by bureaucrats. And so, my friends, I am uh, here on the Mike Douglas Show, not a fan, not a fan of managed care. What I am a fan of is you. And I thank you so much for being part of the Mike Douglas Show. We will do it again. Take a look at the issues tomorrow at 3 o'clock here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Have a great night.